0: Amen, amen. As you remain standing, I would ask that you turn with me to the book of Jeremiah chapter 6, verse number 16. Lord, being my helper, I won't be long tonight, but I feel the Lord drop the word in my spirit that I want to share with us tonight. Verse number 16 of Jeremiah 6 says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, And ask for the old paths, where is the good way? And walk therein. And ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. My subject tonight, old paths for a new year. Old paths for a new year. One more time, lift your hands and let's ask the Lord, to help us in this service tonight. Almighty God in heaven, we need the word of the Lord to go forth with fervency and passion and fire. God, open our hearts today that we may receive your word. Let us apply it to our heart tonight in Jesus' name. Clap your hands unto the Lord as you're being seated tonight. Amen. Old paths for a new year. We are living in a land of constant improvement, better vehicles every year, faster phones, better cameras on those faster phones. And I don't know how they can improve. What else are they going to come out with on a phone? How much more do we need a phone to do than what it already does? I don't use a fraction of what's available on that phone as it is. Nicer homes are a must with all kinds of add-ons and features and all of this type of stuff. It's like every day we're trying to push the boundaries. This constant curiosity is a blessing from the Lord in that it allows us to push the boundaries of creativity. It allows us to, to push the boundaries of modern society. And it has afforded us some wonderful luxuries that they didn't have 50 years ago or 100 years ago. But can I tell you today that, that this plague of curiosity is crippling the church. Hear me when I tell you, there is nothing wrong with thinking outside of the box. However, when thinking outside of the box leads to thinking outside of the book, then you are walking down a dangerous road, my friend because we don't need to improve upon this book. This book stands alone in power. It stands alone in sovereignty. Hey, the Bible says the grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Come on, if you know it, clap your hands unto I think some of us could agree tonight that new does not always mean better or right. Just because they come up with something new doesn't mean it's automatically better than what once was. And I've watched people try to take this book and try to make it fit their life. They've tweaked, they've cut and pasted, if you please, and they have whittled away at the integrity of this word. But this word does not need our help. You just ask Uzzah in the Old Testament, What happens when you try to take the church into your own hands? It cost him his life. Hey, friend, God doesn't need your help. God doesn't need your opinion. God doesn't need to consult you on what's the right or the bad thing to do. But God just needs a people that will obey this book, that will walk in the integrity of this word. Paul warns us in 2 Timothy 3 and 7 of the dangers of the last days when he said that men will be ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I believe we could all agree today that there is an abundance of education. We've got more smart people in their own eyes today than the world's probably ever had. They got more degrees than a thermometer. But can I tell you that a piece of paper doesn't mean you're smart. It means you paid a lot of money. But I met dumb people that had degrees. Dumb as a box of rocks, but they had something hanging on the wall. And we put so much value on those pieces of paper. And here's a sidebar. And I'm not preaching against edu- education. You can make more desi- money with a desire than you can degree any day. Degree doesn't mean anything. but well, it does to some people. I didn't go to college because God was supposed to come back before four years was up, so I didn't go. Some of you know the same thing. Try to hurry up make decisions in life because God was supposed to come back and he was trying to beat him to the punch. Paul says there's going to come a day when you've got so many people with so much knowledge ever learning, but the one thing they're not going to get is they're never going to be able to come to the knowledge of truth. We're in that day when people today have have exalted their opinion above the word of the Lord. They have exalted their opinion above an infallible truth. And they are calling it revelations when in fact, my friend, it is nothing more than a delusion. And they are trying to gather and forge their own way. I know of a man right now that was an apostolic pastor of a large church and walked away from that church, brought people with him, started his own church, and they are a church of the community. They are for all denominations, even having a confessional booth for that denomination. They will cater. It's a Baskin Robbins, if you please, of whatever you want. And Scripture says that the day would come where men would have itching ears They would rather you tell them what they want to hear than what they need to hear. In other words, they don't want to walk down the tried and true paths that this book has outlined, but rather they want to do their own thing and walk their own way. But my friend, hear the word of the Lord tonight. There's danger trying to do it your own way. There's danger trying to walk off of this path that is proven in this book. Jeremiah said, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein and ye shall find rest for your soul. There's an opportunity that is awaiting all of us to walk down a path spiritually wherein rest is abundant for our soul. It did not say that that path would be void of problems. It didn't say it would be void of trials. But it did say that there would be rest on that path. But watch, the human will rise up and they said we will Walk therein. That's that element that God left in place called the human will. And that is a portrait of our day with the uprising of rebellion in the day in which we live. You know what the spirit of Antichrist is? It's rebellion against God. It's anti Christ. What is the spirit that is in line with God? Obedience. What is rebellion? The opposite of obedience. And the day in which we live, we are seeing people rise up that are haughty. They are high-minded. They think that they know more and they know better. And they're saying, I know what my grandma did and I know what they did, but I'm not going to walk that way tell you. There's there's some, some attributes of the old paths that we need to look at tonight. First off is old paths provide direction. If you walked up to a forest, a dense plot of land with nothing but so thick you couldn't even walk through it. And you saw You navigate it all the way around it, and all of a sudden, boom, there's a path. How many of us would say, no, I think I just want to start walking through it by myself and figure it out on my own? That's not how we operate. What we do is we go, oh, here's a trail. And we start walking the trail, the path. And that brings direction to our life. It helps us navigate this dense forest that we've never been through before. And don't you realize that there's people that have gone on before us that they came up to that dense forest and one by one they started walking a trail? And the more people that followed them, the better to find the trail God. And it would behoove us to understand the value of people that have gone on before us and heed the direction that they have provided through their example and through their preaching. Now some of you might remember this is too long ago for me, but I've looked at pictures and I've read stories The origin of camp meeting was people would come together. You ready? I'm fixing to blow your mind. And camp. I'm not talking about stay at the Holiday Inn camping. They would pitch tents in the middle of the summer, wear a suit and tie, and they would spend a week or more doing nothing but going to church. And they would dissect this book from cover to cover. They didn't have a phone to occupy. They didn't have a television to occupy. They had fellowship. This is what they did. They went to church. They took a nap. They ate and they went to church. But all throughout those meetings, you know what they were doing? They were defining a clear path for the generations that would follow. If you time does not permit us, but they had transitions from the Assemblies to the to the Pentecostal, uh, the United Pentecostal Church uh, over Jesus Name Baptism, and they prayerfully whittled away a path that was clearly defined in this book. So a path provides direction, but a path also provides safety. When you walk down a path that someone's already been down, it brings a safety in your spirit. The Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. I'm so thankful that we have a heritage of people that that took it upon themselves to... Clearly and rightly divide the word of truth that we could have that path. But it also provides consistency. Consistency. I worry when people start changing their message. Did they find a path that we didn't know about? Or have they called a delusion a revelation? My pastor, told, he's told me several times, he said, I'm preaching the same message, the same way that I preached 40 years ago. 40 years ago, I was a liberal. Now, I'm a conservative. But I'm preaching the same exact message I preached for 40 years. It just goes to show you how society has changed. Old paths. Let me talk about some paths that we better make sure we still have in place. That first path is a path of sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. Truth is a doctrine, but not all doctrine is truth. You cannot separate truth and the Word because Jesus is the Word. And Jesus is truth. So you can't say you love Jesus if you don't love truth because truth and Jesus are one and the same. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is what Paul said. Paul said, but though we are an angel from heaven, come and preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Hey, we have too many people that are drinking the Kool-Aid of inspiration. They're wanting the the, the God of love and the God of grace and the God of mercy. And I agree that he is all of those. But let me also tell you that he's a God that's going to judge. And he's going to judge according to his truth. He's going to judge according to his word. And his word says you've got to repent. you got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you got to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That does not change. You say, well, so and so was a good person. I believe you. But you know good people are going to go to hell. Let me give an example of a good person but didn't have the Spirit of God. There was a man named Cornelius who opened the door to the Gentiles. The Bible says he was a devout man. He was a religious man. He gave alms and he prayed all the time. He was a good person, but he was missing salvation. And we cannot start compromising the integrity of truth because of our feelings. Truth is truth whether I like it or whether you like it or anybody likes it. You're not going to change truth. Because if you change truth, that means you're going to have to change who God is. And God cannot change. The Bible says, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Truth, doctrine, we've got to have strong paths of doctrine. Not just enough to have good doctrine, we've got to have prayer. You know those paths of prayer were made on people's knees. You can do a whole lot of stuff without prayer and call it church. We can sing the paint off the walls. I can give a sermon. Wouldn't be much of anything. You could give up here and give a sermon. We could go through the theatrics of religion. But if we're missing prayer, we're not accomplishing anything. Prayer is what keeps us connected. Prayer Is what keeps us in tune. And it takes us constantly. Paul said, I die daily. Having to get rid of that stuff that's stopping the power from flowing in our life. I had a phone one time that some of you are going to laugh because you do the same thing. And I might be helping some of you. I don't know if I'm in the Holy Ghost or not right now. But if it helps you, then thank the Lord. I had a phone that just wouldn't charge right. I had that cord, and you'd sit there, and you'd, you'd wiggle it. You'd keep plugging it in and out. You'd prop something up to keep it at the right angle, walk away slowly, making sure it stayed charged. It drove me nuts. I mean, I got so mad at this phone. I was ready to just throw it away. I said, I'm going to buy me another one. This thing's a piece of junk. It's a piece of junk. And somebody told me, well, just clean out the connection with a toothpick, not a safety pin. And I got that toothpick, and I reached down in there, and there was a big ball of lint and dirt in there. I pulled it out. Gave it the old Nintendo blow. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Plugged that thing in ever so slightly and it went to charging. And I realized that there was nothing wrong with the phone. There was just some junk that was stopping the connection. That's what prayer does. Prayer is that toothpick. That starts digging all that stuff out that's stopping you from getting charged up in God. And it reconnects you to the power source. We can't do this without prayer. I don't care how good they sing or how good the preaching is. I'd rather have somebody that's prayed up than that's talented. Hey, I could take you to some churches that are monster churches, big churches. They got the best of everything. But what they're lacking is prayer. I've been in churches that I went to for revival. I walk in there, and there's quiet or empty prayer rooms. I can tell you, we ain't fixing to have revival. That's like walking to the baptistry. First thing I'd do, if their baptistry was low enough, I'd walk by and then see if there's any water in it. There's no water. Where's your faith? The least you could do is put water in the baptistry so in case somebody gets the Holy Ghost, we could baptize them. Prayer. God, help us. Lest we fall prey to be in an Ichabod. The glory of the Lord departed because we weren't passionate enough to stay connected to God in prayer. Holiness. That's a good path. Holiness. I've talked many times, and I'll teach again this year on holiness. But I'll, I'll suffice it by saying this. Everything that involves holiness is not between you and a preacher. It's not between you and somebody else in the church. Everything that is that holiness is about is between you and the Lord. Scripture said, be ye holy for I am holy. God doesn't want you to try to match the standard that somebody else is living or that somebody else is setting, but God's wanting you to fall in line with a standard that he is setting. Amen? I've heard people say, well, so-and-so does this. So-and-so is not the standard of holiness. The book is the standard of holiness. Well, brother, so-and-so, Let's his people do it. Well, maybe they're taking new members. They didn't catch it. Maybe next time I'll have them stand up. It won't go over their head. Y'all know I'm joking. But you know what I've learned? That when somebody knows they're not doing what they need to be doing, it's always easy to point to a reason somebody else. passed the buck. What if we just took personal responsibility and said, you know what, I may not knock it out the park every day, but I'm going to do my best to fall in line with Jesus and fall in line with his word, not because somebody else is making me do it, but because I want to do it. Touch your neighbor and say, that's good. Tell them, I hope they record this. Here's a good one. Here's a path that we need to keep staying on reverence for the house of the Lord. I said it in my Sunday school class. The Jews would not even say the word Jehovah because they were afraid they would take the name of the Lord in vain. And we understand that the name of the Lord is Jesus. And the Jews have not seen him fully as the Messiah. Let's look at something deeper. That's the reverence for the things of God. A reverence. I still, I still think it's proper in order to not wear a hat in the house of the Lord, a ball cap man. And I'm not talking about just in church services. When I walk from my office through here, It's just habit. I'm not going to say every time because I'm human. I probably have missed one or two. But my hand just goes up and grabs that hat just going between here and there. Because I was taught a reverence. That was a path that my parents made sure it was instilled in me. Here's part of the reverence for the house of God. And and I might be meddling, but I'm almost done, so I'm going to give you a little bit of hope. I couldn't go to the bathroom during church. You had to do it before church started. And I mean it had to be you was about to die emergency to get out of church. I still think it's good and in order to make sure you handle personal business before church starts because I don't want to miss a single thing that happens in the presence of God in a church service. Stand with me so I think you'll support me. Reverence. Reverence for the house of God. That's a good path. Musicians, you can come. I could keep going on and on. Faith, that's a good path. Walking by faith. Those paths that they made, those were made because they walked by faith. Walked by faith. I'm not going to say that the elders that have passed on had more faith than us. Because I'm not one to judge that. But let me tell you what they did have. They had less opportunity to meet their own needs than we have. Which required believing God to do more. Believing for more miracles. We read of testimonies from yesteryear and everybody wants a testimony without a test. We want to give God the praise for it but we don't want to live through it. It's amazing how spiritual we are after God does something. Faith. I'm talking about old paths that got us here. But we've got to make sure we stay on those paths. I don't want to get to heaven and the Lord said, I showed you the way. I showed you what you needed to do. But you chose not to walk down that path. You chose. My friend, God will not beg anybody. God won't drag anybody to an altar. God's not going to twist anybody's arm. He leaves that in your hands. He leaves that that choice up to you. I wonder today as we come to this altar, do you want to walk down those old paths? I want us to come and start this year off by renewing our consecration unto the Lord. You don't have to kneel. You can stand if you want, but I just want you to connect with God tonight. I just want you to say, God, I want to walk down those old paths.